Um, I didn't have a title for the teaching. I had everything but that. Uh, we'll call this the Lord is Restoring Majesty to the Church. Okay? Amen. <coughs> the Lord restores majesty to us. <coughs> in uh, Nahum chapter 2, starting in verse 1, uh, I was reading this and I thought, well, this is interesting because it talks to me of a strategy for war. This uh, Actually, uh, this uh, account talks about the destruction of Nineveh uh, because of Nineveh's deeds against the nation of Israel and God restoring Israel. But <coughs> there's a warning that comes to the people. And it says here in uh, Nahum chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, The scatterer has come up against you. And if there's one thing I can say, people of God tend to scatter from time to time. And I've seen it recently and more in recent years than ever before. Uh, when I first started in ministry, there was somewhat of a gathering of people together. But it seemed that it was always a, a, a group of individuals that was more or less uh, roaming around from church to church, roaming from one move to the next and from one uh, prophecy to the next or one uh, uh, exciting thing to the next. Uh, it seemed that some people didn't have roots and people didn't understand how to grow and how to mature in God and how to allow the groom uh, to uh, provide for them and to uh, give to them the things that they need to do the work of the ministry. I saw so many people come into our meetings over the years that said they were called to ministry and would get upset with you if you wouldn't do what they told you to do. And that's always going to be true. There's always going to be people who misunderstand the ways of God. Uh, they think more with their imaginations than they do with the mind of the Spirit. And so these are things that, that are always going to happen, but there are times when the sheep scatter for one reason or another. Fear comes upon them. The enemy puts fear in them. You know, if you don't work two jobs, your family's going to starve or you're not going to be able to make ends meet. And so people will scatter away from the house of God, won't be as faithful doing what God has called them to do. And so we see here in Nahum... <coughs> And I believe scattering is caused by a spirit that allows people to uh, get into fear. Uh, people who are disillusioned start to find other disillusioned people and they talk to them and, and the buzz goes forth. You know, well, we're not going to come anymore because God hasn't done this or the pastor won't do that or something like that. And so when the scatterer comes, the people who are faithful to God have to form a strategy. There must be formed a strategy to allow God's work to continue. And, and this is what you want. You want the work of the ministry to continue. So he says here, man the ramparts. Watch the road. Dress for battle. Collect all your strength. In other words, it's a time for people of strength and people who are committed to get more committed. To band together more. I'm recently, I, you know, I, I always warn people about being on Facebook and there's some stuff on there that just shouldn't be on there. You know, people should be ashamed to put some of the pictures on there making fun of unfortunate people or something like that. But it's, it's a mess, but God can use what he can use out of the mess. <clears throat> and so... I, I got into a, a, a flow of, of tons of people who were sending friend requests, and sometimes that will happen because you, you'll get to be friends with somebody who's got a lot of friends or something, and I don't know how it happened, but it just seemed to me that there were, in all of that mess that's there, some very sincere people in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world even, that were wanting the move of God, that are wanting to be empowered by God, that are wanting to win more souls, that are wanting to make an impact in their cities. And not a political impact, because anybody can run their mouth and, and act like they know something. But we're talking about a true spiritual impact, where you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go forth and do the work of the ministry 
that the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to do. And so I see kind of a gathering and a compacting of people, and that's our strategy, is when we see the enemy scattering the weak and scattering the people that don't know how to hold on to God, that have issues that they never seem to want to get over, you know, God is there to heal us and help us and love us and encourage us. And if we will receive his healing, help, love, and encouragement, we won't get disillusioned and get caught up with the people that get scattered away from the things of God. I would hate to get into a place where I couldn't come to the altar and get prayer if I was sick in my body. I would hate to get to a place where I couldn't come and and sit down with the saints and have fellowship with them uh, so that we could share one with another. And I'm not talking about your little clicky people that only have certain people they get tight with. But I am talking about people who are led by the Holy Spirit of God and know how to embrace others and know how to respond by the Holy Spirit so that they can know what to do and know their place and know their gift and their calling. There are some remarkable people who who have gifts of encouragement and I see them released into the body of Christ to just always give a scripture that gives you hope and gives you uh, something to hang on to uh, so that you know God is with you because it's easy to get discouraged with the day-to-day activities. You don't have to go very far to suffer discouragement. You don't have to have a major thing happen to you. All you have to do is sit down and look at your life and let the devil start telling you you haven't been doing anything. Or you should be here, or you should be there. You know, just just ten minutes of him messing with your head will cause you to be discouraged. And so we have to be ever vigilant to gain all of our strength, to put on all of your strength. And everything that God has given to equip us with, we need it. And we need not to uh, uh, act like we're, we're, we don't need God, or we don't need this, or we don't need the past. We don't need the prophet or we don't need somebody to encourage us. We need to put on all a call for everything that you got and everything that you have access to. Because you see the hell the devil is releasing in the world. How would you like it if people celebrated your birthday and didn't invite you? Well, that's what they're doing to Jesus. They're doing that to our God. They got displays up and talking about Christmas, and he's not invited to his own birthday party. People are openly challenging the power of God, openly challenging God's place in the universe, his place in the public arena, his place in our lives, his place in heaven. You know, remember the Tower of Babel? They're going to be doing that next. Trust me, if it's been done before, it'll be done again. These people are talking about the space shuttle. Where do you think they really had it for? They might get Mars, but they really want to get up there and shake their fist in God's face and tell them that they don't want him in their lives. You understand me? So people are getting more wicked, more evil more intent upon persecuting Christians, more intent on uh, um, giving us a hard time and, and calling us names and accusing us publicly, removing us uh, for, as a voice that the public can hear and has a right to hear, f- forcing us to compromise, challenging the word of God and challenging the servants of God. What happened to the mighty men of God? Uh, Do anybody remember Bensa Idahosa from Nigeria, Archbishop of Nigeria? Kenneth Copeland introduced him one time. I remember I was a part of uh, uh, ICBM, Oral Roberts Ministers uh, Organization. And I remember Idahosa coming to speak for them. He was a graduate graduate of ORU and he was on their board there and the board members would always take turns and they had a little tag team where they all got like maybe 20 minutes or <laughs> a half hour or so and they respected it because there were many many speakers good speakers there that people wanted to hear and so 
Vincentita Hosa was introduced by um, Kenneth Copeland, and Kenneth Copeland said, he's not a man, he's an experience. <laughs> and he said that with all humility before God and respect to God, because what God had put in that man was beyond what normal human because what he had to confront in his nation to get his people saved he needed as much as he could get from God to do the job Elisha knew what he would need to serve God in his generation and so he asked Elijah the man of God who had trained him for a double portion of his spirit because he knew it would be necessary double portion isn't something that you go around and tell people you got it like you're somebody important and it's not something you demand from somebody like you have it coming to, to you but it's something that if you're a person of vision if you know how to gather all of your strength take everything that God has available to you to do the job that God has called you to do then you will ask for what you need in your generation so Elisha was not trying to be somebody he wasn't trying to be all of that he wasn't trying to make it on television or get invited to TBN he was just trying to be effective for God in his generation and he knew the trouble the man of God who had trained him and had had and he looked at that and he said no nah, I'm going to need a twice as much as what you got if I'm going to do the job I'm going to have to have more than what you got brother so I'm asking for it amen and so that's what God will impart to us if we'll ask for what we need to do the job you want to do an effective job you want to be able to rescue people from a fiery hell. You want to be able to see homosexuals repent and receive God rather than just always confronting us, making us back down and in our faces. You want to see the drug addict get free instead of going to rehabs where they give them more drugs and more drugs and string them along for years. You understand me? And so we need to ask for what we need. And it says here to strengthen everything, to to uh, you know strengthen the ramparts. That's the the places where you you your uh, your stash place. You know the place where you go for strength. Watch the road. In other words, watch for the movement of the enemy and stop him from doing what he's doing collect all of your strength dress for battle you know I, I love people that, that dress up to come to church because they they really love God and, and that's good for, for that day but there's a day of battle as well and there's a, there's a worship dress and there's a battle dress that we have to get ourselves adorned in you know sometimes you got to do like a, a, a <laughs> Who was that person? I think it was Rambo. When he knew what he had to do, he went and got the mud and put on his face and put the rag. That's what, you understand what I'm saying? It's that time, folks. It's been time to tie your head up with that rag and put that mud on your face and get your, you know, hide, you know, keep yourself hidden from the enemy for your sneak attack because that's what it's going to take to get the results that God wants his church to have. And we can do it. We're not weak people. We know what we need. We have the word. We have the spirit. We have all these things in agreement. We can do these things. When we gather together here, we're gathered together. I see everybody out there with your mud on your face and your rag tied around your head. And you got up early, and, and some of us had to drive three hours to get here. I thank God for people in the ministry that won't complain about what we have to do and where God calls us, you see. Anybody can do something when they feel like it. Warriors do things, period. The feeling is never, ever considered in what we do. You can do it because you feel like it and do it when you don't feel like it. So why are we collecting all our strength? Because God's up to something. He's up to something good. He's restoring. God is restoring the majesty of Jacob. He is restoring the majesty of his people. The majesty of Israel, it says here. The majesty of those who strive with God and prevail. That's Israel. So we are, are contending with God for these things. Not that he's not willing to give them to us, but we have to, to, to wrestle these things into our realm that we live in. We wrestle them from 
from heaven down here into earth at God's bidding. He said the violence take these things by force. You don't have to ask permission over and over and over again. Go get your stuff. Go get your things. Go get the things that God has promised us. It says the shield of the mighty man is red. That means you've been out killing devils. That means you got some battle scars. That means you got some evidence. You got blood evidence that you've been in a real fight with the enemy. And you've made him give up his prey. It says his red as soldiers are clothed in scarlet. In other words, you didn't kill so many, you got blood all over your clothes. The chariots come with flashing metal on the day he musters them. Amen. And so the, the spears are out. The chariots race mightily through the streets. They dot like lightning. And this is the way that God operates in the realm of the spirit. The spirit realm isn't slow. We're slow to believe. Huh? The only slow thing is this. Huh? Because many times we are slow to believe God. We're slow to move for God. We got to have 15 confirmations or we got to get our bills paid before. Well, I don't have time to do that. I, I got to take care of this, that, and the other. Uh, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Huh? All them dead things we think we're taking care of. Huh? People want to, you know, I got to watch my kids. They're 40 years old. They ought to be moved out the house and, huh? Always some excuse before we follow the Lord, huh? He told the rich young man, he said, sell all you have and follow me. Hmm? He did that for his own good. Trying to follow Jesus and watch your money is going to put a cramp in things that you won't believe. You understand me? So he says, just just leave it here, okay? Just leave it alone because you'll never be a good servant of me taking that with you because you have your eye on your money at all times. And so we have to be single in our, our, our vision and single in our purpose and understand what we are called to do and get out and do what God has called us to do. If he's called you to come to prayer, come to prayer. If he's called you to be faithful, uh, praying in the spirit off and on uh, for different things that are needed, do those things. If he's calling you to stay in your word so that you can be edified and built up and ready for the battle, do those things. Those things are always necessary and those things are always necessary important. I was talking to the Lord recently about some things and and sensing that God is doing something with me personally, with me as far as the ministry is concerned, for, for the ministry of the Watchmen and the Church for All Nations, but also my personal ministry as an individual minister. And so I, I was trying to talk to the Lord about it, and, and um, you know, he told me, he said, quit eating. I want to talk to you. I said, I haven't heard that in many a year. <laughs> Y'all know how I laugh about my Twinkies and stuff. Well, it wasn't seasoned, but now it's time. And, and the way he talks to me is I have to fast so I can hear him. You understand what I'm saying? It's, I mean, it, it's different for different people, but that's what it, it needs for me. So he said, put that food down. I need to talk to you. Huh? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we put it down. And, and, but you have to do what you have to do. See, this is, is get, putting on all your strength. I mean, if, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? Some things you can't put off for another year. You can't put off, you know, I'll get, I'll, I'll get around to that. And they, no, he wants to talk to you now. Put the burger down. Put the this down. Whatever he tells you to do, put that down. Put people down. You know, we're always running around trying to do this. And, well, it's a holiday, and I've been invited. Go somewhere. It's a holiday for me, too, and i got to put my food down and talk to God. <laughs> when, do, when is it over? When it's over. I don't worry about when it's over. You got me? It's worth it to me to hear from God. It's worth it for me to get clarity for what I need to do. It's worth it for me for these things. I don't ritual fast. You ask anybody here. We fast after dinner before the empowerment meeting because we want our prayers to be empowered for the next day. But trust me. When when we get off the when we get to the place where we have our meeting, everybody breaks out the Danish and the coffee and the <laughs> the fast is over. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but I don't ritual do it. But I was looking at um, uh, 
something I think uh, somebody had a post on Facebook, and it was from Morris Cirillo's ministry. And uh, he was doing his 40. Anybody remember that, Morris Cirillo? And we used to do the 40-day fast at the beginning of every year. At the end of December, beginning of January, his victorious army. Remember that? And he was serious about it. And God spoke to him during those times. And that man's ministry was a success and remains a success even at his age now because of those things that he does. And so I looked at that. I said, oh, God, I said, I should do that. He said, I've been telling you I need to talk to you. I can't talk to you with all that going on. And so it's been a, a time for me of refle- reflection, refreshing of healing, of um, releasing some things, letting some things go, embracing some new things, putting on strength, folks. You know, just putting on strength in God so that when I go out to do what he tells me to do, it's going to succeed. And I'll know because I've done what he told me to do to prepare for that. Your preparation might be totally different. You know, I I don't dictate to people what God's telling you to do. But I'm telling you, this is a time where we need to gain all the strength we can, folks. You can't be in the word too much. You can't be, uh, um, uh, you know, worshiping too much. You can't be listening for God too much. Uh, This is a time to really watch and understand what God is saying. And so the Lord is restoring majesty. He wants us to watch every avenue that the enemy could come in and stop him. Tell him you collect all your strength and fight the enemy. Arrest him. Tell him he has nothing to do with what's going on in your life. Period. And mean it. And don't listen to him telling you, well, you know, the reason you don't have this is that's such an old strategy. You know, I mean, I'm shocked people even listen anymore, but sometimes it sounds good when you don't have a better answer. The reason you don't have is because it's not your season for harvest. But there are many things that you can live off of while you're waiting for your season to harvest that one thing. Don't ever base your relationship to God on the answer to one prayer. Huh? Don't ever do that. People fall out with God because they ask him for something. Well, I asked you to uh, stop mommy and daddy from fighting when I was little. Uh, <laughs> trust me. Mommy and daddy going to fight. They fight. People fight till they get tired. <laughs> Selah. Something you just need to know about people. Then they find something else to do. You understand what I'm saying? Don't take don't take mommy and daddy too seriously like that. You understand what I'm saying? God is working. They're a work in progress. Everything's a work in progress. But if you can't trust God enough to let him work in your life, you want to push him and nudge him and make him hurry up and all this kind of stuff, God, he don't roll like that. God does things after the counsel of his own will. He doesn't need us telling him anything. He doesn't need us putting ideas in his head. So don't fall out with God about something like an answer to prayer. Fall in with God. Find out what you can do for him to advance his kingdom. To do something that's going to make a difference in somebody else's life. You know God. You need to introduce other people to him. The enemy will always cause casualties. And you have to be careful. Casualties to me are like dead bodies. Once they're buried, it's over, and you keep marching. Oh, Bob, that sounds so. Listen, you want to stay alive. You want to stay alive. People who leave God, that's God's business. You know, that's you're not the cleanup man or the cleanup woman to go around and make sure all the little all the little uh, daisies are in a row. You understand what I'm saying? And your life is complete. Let God be God to people. Let God handle people. You don't know what people are called to do. You don't know what's in their hearts. You don't know if those people are converted and really want to serve God. Many times people are serving God for because they want to go along with the crowd. And then when that doesn't please them anymore, then they drop out. 
You got to let people do what they do. But if you're in the army of the Lord, you keep marching. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep gaining strength. You keep going forward. You keep doing what God has called you to do. In Joshua 5, let's turn there. God is restoring us to our majesty. Joshua, where am I? <laughs> where is that? Where is that Joshua thing? Oh, here it is. Okay, Joshua. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Five. <clears throat> I think I'll start in. I'll start in verse one. It's not far down. It came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until all were passed over. Their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Now this is the way the devil feels about you all the time. I don't care if you feel anointed. I don't care if you pray in tongues real fast, real hard, real strong, or you don't. I don't care if you believe the devil is is against you. God has empowered you with the ability, if it would ever get acknowledged by you. You know how some people have what they call faith accidents. You just somehow stumble up on the right thing to say at the right time and God moves through you. See, that can happen to anybody at any time. The devil knows that. So his strategy is to keep you feeling bad about yourself, keep you feeling inadequate, keep you feeling like you don't know enough word, keep you feeling like you, you, know, you, you don't understand much, feeling sorry for yourself, you can't do much, I'm just always so sick and I have allergies and... See, he likes to feed you that stuff and keep your mind in that arena because he knows that if you ever have your faith accident, and a faith accident goes like this, you're at home and your children are bickering like they always do, and then the fight gets serious. Say you got two boys and they decide they want to duke it out with one another. And you tell them to stop and one of them hisses at you. And something wells up in you. Say in the name of Jesus, you come out of my son, you nasty, stinking, foul devil. You let him go. And that's your faith accident. Where you in the past would have got scared and called 911. Or, you know, wait till your daddy get here. You know, that kind of stuff. Something in you, an unction from within you that you didn't even know could work like that. And you saw him crumble to the floor and cry after you told him to come out of your son, your boy. Just like in the Bible. Man, I read this in the Bible somewhere. Somebody's son did this somewhere when Jesus talked to that thing. Huh? And so that's why the devil trembles with fear at us, because he knows that that faith accident can happen at any time. He knows that the Holy Spirit can come upon you at any time, that you will open your mouth and let God fill it with words, and instead of your normal fear speech that you do, something glorious comes out, because God is restoring the glory to the church. He's restoring our majesty. He's restoring these words that come out, that that turn an atmosphere, that make an atmosphere different. That makes it so that people will respect you as a Christian and as a man or woman of God. They don't look at you with reproach and condemnation anymore. And so when God starts to put that on us, the first person that notices it is the devil. Because he'll start to strategize to keep you from ever using it. Try to keep you in fear, keep you intimidated. Using your mouth to say fearful things instead of letting God fill it with words. He'll do all of that stuff. 
But God wants us to be people of power and of strength. And so it says that their heart melted in verse 1, and neither was their spirit in them anymore. Oh, my goodness. Your mean boss that always wants to boss you around is scared of you. The devil they got is scared of you. And so there's not any spirit in them anymore, so they got to call up spirits to help them. Huh? They don't know how to fight you. They don't know. So they might as well just go ahead and try to bless you. You'll find that thing reverse on you, where people who stood in your way at one time will now turn around and decide to bless you and encourage you and try to help you. They'll go out of their way for you. You understand? That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be we get persecuted and chased from place to place all the time. Verse 2, at the time the Lord said to Joshua, make sharp knives. And circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Now, he's not talking to the same people. That, come on now, y'all. That just ain't right. If you went through one time, you know, he's talking about, as a nation, the ones that the, the mighty men of war that refused to fight are now dead, okay? So this is their children. They're the generation underneath them. They are being circumcised for the first time. Joshua made sharp knives, circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did it. All the people that came out of Israel that were males, even the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came up out of Egypt. Do you know why they died? They refused to fight. Amen. They refused to fight. Taken it violently by force to keep you alive. God likes that stuff. He likes somebody down here who's believing him and taking authority over the devil. He likes people who are not going to let the devil run everybody over and bully people and tell people they can't put a, a nativity scene up in a public place. And you can't say Merry Christmas to somebody. Huh? Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. And Merry on top of that. <laughs> I was talking to somebody on the floor. I don't know. I just talked to people. It's probably a vacuum cleaner lady. She was a you know, customer service, and so I, t- I told her, I said, how would you like it if they gave you a birthday party and didn't invite you? And she said, really? I said, that's what they do in the Jesus, honey. And she was kind of scared. She said, well, yeah, you're right. You know you. I said, well, we ain't going to do that. We're going to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Invite him in. You know, he's been through this before. When he came to the earth, the Bible said he came to his own and his own received him. Not. Huh? I like the King James for that reason. It's coming back again. We speak King James sometimes. Despised and rejected of men always. People, a lot of people are in love with a historical Jesus. So they let him, they let him hang around. But when you talk about a Jesus who empowers his people, they don't want him. Uh, they don't want him. A sign and wonder Jesus, they don't want him. A miracle work in Jesus, they don't want him. Huh? Because, see, the historical Jesus to them is dead. If he's walking around through his people working miracles and doing signs and wonders, that means he's alive. And if he's alive, somebody's scared. So all the men, men of war died in the wilderness. So it's fight or die. Huh? We ought to get us another T-shirt. I'm just feeling like another T-shirt. Fight or die. <laughs> all these old crazy ride or die people. Fight or die. Huh? <laughs> Chuck was telling me she loved the poster. I said, I love it too. 
I said, in fact, I, I went through my jewelry box trying to find me some more bling to put on. Just wait till the conference. Y'all ain't going to know me. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I told somebody this old stale joke. No, I told her I, would, I try all my old stale jokes out on Rachel. Poor thing. She just looks at me. But I told her, I said, Rachel, these are my summer diamonds. And she said, okay, Baba, summer diamonds. I said, yes, yeah, summer diamonds, some are not. But I thought... <laughs> I was going to save that for the conference, but I didn't... Just you wait. That's too good. It's too good, though. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So it's fight or die, folks. You hear me? Because we're equipped to win. That's why it's that way. God's not telling somebody who can't fight to fight or die. We're equipped to win. His people are always equipped to win. Verse 5, now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them he had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which he swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that flows with milk. And honey, and their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. So we let the kids do it. We let the next generation do it. And he says that because they had not circumcised them, by the way, and they were were uncircumcised. In other words, they weren't in covenant with God. They didn't have that sign of circumcision. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. God does not send you out to war, limping, sick. Get yourself healed first. You understand what I'm saying? Do what you can in the condition you're in, but God wants you well. If you're hurt or you're wounded, the only thing that's going to happen is the devil's going to keep jabbing at that wound. So get yourself in the Word. It doesn't take forever to get a healing. It takes three days. Lillian Yeomans had a three-day formula to get people healed. Just steep yourself in that word and shut out everything else but that word, and you will get up healed. Trust me, I've done it too many times. I've had other people do it. It's the word of God. That's why we do it. God, God uh, uh, performs his word. If we'll do it, he'll perform it. And so it says, And it came to pass when they were done circumcising, they abode until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Wherefore the name of that place is called Gilgal unto them. Now the reproach of Egypt, what is that? What was that? Actually, one translation says it's the shame of slavery. The shame of slavery. There's a shame that comes on people when they don't have the ability to do what they, they need to do as a free people. So the reproach that, that was on them was a mindset that they couldn't fight, a mindset that they were in danger, a mindset that they couldn't raise up against anybody because they were forbidden to do it because they were slaves. It's a mindset of self-pity and low self-worth and being afraid to fight. Oh, I can't, I can't hit the master. He might hit me back. Well, if you hit him real good the first time, <laughs> I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. As the late James Brown would say, I don't know karate. I know Kareza. Yeah. He gets your Kareza after him. He ain't going to get up again. <laughs> the devil might try it. You know, he'd be stunned and try to talk bad like you didn't hurt him. But he'd be limping and stumbling everywhere he goes. Just put a hurt on him. But that low self-esteem, the fear of fighting, that's what, that's what that first generation had. And they would not obey God. It's in the obedience that you get delivered from your fear. 
It's in the obedience that you see who you really are. It's in the obedience. It's in hitting the devil that you know you can hurt him and he can't hurt you. And so this is what they lack. They lack that thing, but even though they have been circumcised. And so God told them the reason he's doing it, he says, I'm taking this off of you. So their circumcision is like our born-again experience, a spirit-filled experience, that God gives us his life in us. And that new life lets us know that we're loved by God, we're important to God, we're precious to God, and we are empowered by God to do everything that God would have us to do. We're not wimpy people. We're not confused people. We're not people who don't know what to do. If somebody comes and tries to threaten your children and take them away from them, I bet you'd move heaven, hell, and everything else to, to get your kid away from them. And that's what we do. And, and it, maybe it's not your child is in danger. Maybe it's your toenail. I don't want the devil to have my toenail clippings. Give it back, devil. It don't belong to you. Well, you clipped it. You know, I don't care. It don't belong to you. Give it back to me. Even if I don't want it, I'm taking it. <laughs> I was going to say something about married people, but I'm going to pass. Okay, I'm going to Praise the Lord. <laughs> so in restoration, he's removing reproach from us. Where they make fun of us for our beliefs tell us we don't know how to love people and Christians are mean, they're haters and all that kind of stuff. You know, just let them talk. Huh? Let them talk. They'll eat their words. They'll find out. You know, the, the, the greatest revenge would be for somebody who's maligned you to one day walk up to your door and ask for prayer because God has told them if they don't talk to you they're not going to make it you understand me and so these are the things that we, we know are in the works for us as believers we're always there don't you dare turn somebody down because they've been mean to you come on now let's grow up you know you, you look for people look for people who have, have treated you bad to, to now want to what you have because you have God they treat you bad because you have God, and then you've got to serve them through the same God that they are persecuting you for. So they, and they get, they, when God removes reproach, he begins to restore us to a place of respect, majesty, power, might, and authority. It's wonderful. Because God will take what the devil tried to kill or meant for evil and use it for his good in restoration. He's got to restore us. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we're people who are fragmented and, and uh, not whole. But he makes us whole. And then he empowers us to go out and never come back again. Just go out and keep going. Go out and keep serving. Go out and keep fighting. Go out and keep retrieving for him and doing the things that God has told us to do. You don't have to start and stop in your ministry. You, you keep going, you know, no matter what the enemy does. So everything that, that killed the men of war, God is removing from them. Fear mentality. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm the least like Gideon. You remember all his excuses? I'm the least in my family. I'm just a nobody and a nothing. And Jesus called him a mighty, uh, the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. And he went forth equipped. God wants to equip us for war and lead us. If you drop down to verse 13 and verse in chapter 5, I think it is. One of the things God removed was the welfare system they were on. It says on the, in verse 12, it says the manna ceased. Manna is God's welfare. He don't want you to stay there. If that were his best, it wouldn't have stopped. But they didn't have to go through any effort. Manna was what whiners. You know, you just go out, pull it off the thing. It's food. They don't never know what it really tastes like, but it's better than starving. That's for people with reproach on them who don't want to do anything for themselves, who don't want to get out and fight, who don't want to go out and plant their own field, that don't want to go out and get their own property, that don't want to go out and accumulate things that God has given them. And so God took them off welfare. Amen. 
Somebody finally got it. Huh? Why? Because it's better to, to live by the, the labor of your own hands. You can plant what you want, have as much as you want, you can do what you want, and if you if you will get out and start doing that, you'll find this reproach of low self esteem and, and you know, not feeling like you're worth anything and not feeling good about yourself. That stuff stuff will start to drop off of you. Because it's an automatic thing. When you obey God, He put the man in the garden to labor there, to work there. And so if he put you in the garden to work, there's an obedience factor there, and there's a blessing factor there. There's a godliness that comes upon us when we see that we can accomplish things that God tells us to do. And so your, your, your uh, value increases. Your, your, uh, your idea and your understanding of who you are, the majesty that God has created you to live in and to occupy begins to come real to you. You don't take junk off the devil. And you don't don't coddle up to people just so you can have a friend. You understand what I'm saying? You, you get beyond that kind of stuff. And you realize that if God is your only friend, you're in the best company you could ever be in. And you're not desperate for anything. You're not hurting for anything. That thing comes off of you. So, in, in, uh, and he said, the manna ceased on the mall after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. So there was some produce that had already been planted and grown. They got a taste of that. And see, part of God removing the reproach off of people is to give them a taste of something new. He wants to give you a taste of what it feels like to see the devil fall before you and not continue what he's doing. He wants to give you a taste of seeing what, what it's like when your, your children that used to get uh, threatened at school and all that stuff, now kids want to come around them and they look up to them and all that, when that thing turns around. God wants to give you a taste of something that you set your hand to and you saw him work through you and you can see the rewards of it. That's what he wants us to do, to taste something new. Taste and see that the Lord is good, that his ways are good, his ways are excellent. So he's equipping us and helping us to get off of this reproach, off of this low self-worth and wanting to compromise your message. And, and, you know, if they question you about, uh, well, do you believe homosexuality is wrong? Yes, and God believes it too. And verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, I don't work for none of y'all. Huh? He said, Neither one. He said, But you better be for me. Huh? Who's on the Lord's side? Huh? Just draw a line in the sand. Everybody that's on God's side, hop over here. Everybody that ain't, hop on, stay over there where you at. But I want to know right now, who's on the Lord's side? He says, I'm in charge of this battle. He says, I happen to be the captain of the host of the Lord. Hello? Heard of me? You do now. He says, and I have now come. And Joshua fell on his faith and did worship him. And, and he said, what does my Lord say to your servant? And that's the right thing to do. Keep yourself humble before God because that's where the empowerment comes in. You try to get up and do something on your own and think you're going to bluff the devil and do all this crazy stuff. Years ago, many years ago, anybody remember Larry Lee from the old days? He did a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. He got the idea that he could take the city of San Francisco, and that man lost his mind and has not been the same since. Because he was not equipped to do it. You go to fight for God, you don't lose your mind. If God's with you, you don't lose anything. Huh? You gain. Those homosexuals tore down the door to the venue where they were and chased all the Christians out. It was embarrassing. It wasn't right. 
sometimes you can have a good idea and not be equipped for what you're trying to do. You know, if you're a believer, you, you win souls one by one. You don't go in a city and tell people you're taking it over. Come on now, let's let's get real here. People who take cities are, are in control of their own spirits. They rule their own spirits well. So he's equipping us for war. God wants us totally equipped. The Lord, go, the Lord goes before us into battle. He does not lead you into anything to get slaughtered. He doesn't lead you into anything to get defeated. He leads you into a victorious battle because he has all power. When he tells you it's time to take something, it's time to take it. It's not time to take it before he tells you. I don't care how eager you are to flex your muscle and I'm going to take this. You you can't take your garbage outside. Take a city, take it where? Let's just be normal, folks, okay? Huh? You know, if you're scared of the wind howling at night, you ain't going to take nothing from nobody. So let's just. A strong wind come to the house, you calling everybody. You think they pray for me? <laughs> Some of the first miracles we we experienced in God had to do with the weather. Because you couldn't go anywhere and do much of anything for the devil trying to stop you with the weather. Huh? And so you you have to command the, the rain to stop and the sun to shine and things of that nature. And God's with you so that you can get these things done. Man. I remember we went to Chicago and it rained like crazy. And, and we thought, you know what? This ain't just rain. Here's <laughs> <is> the devil. <laughs> and we rebuked the, the clouds and they rolled back and the sun came out. Had a good time. Amen. You know, the, the conference we were at, the strategy of the devil was to have such bad weather to keep the people away. And the conference failed. You know, people don't come and they don't hear the word and none of what you plan to do gets accomplished. And so you you take authority over these things. God caused the, the time to stop, the sundial to go backwards. And they weren't trying to fight. They were just picking up all the jewelry off of people after the battle was over. They needed daylight to go through and see, oh, summer diamonds. No, we don't want them. You understand what I'm saying? Wait, you got to have sunlight to know if you want this stuff or not. God will do a miracle for the least reason that, that man thinks is important. He's not waiting for something important to do a miracle. He's waiting for us to ask him. So in Ephesians 6, you see your equipment. What did the, the captain of the uh, uh, the Lord's host do and, and what what is given to us in this day and age that we live in? In Ephesians, I'm in the wrong place, 6. In verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord, not in you, in the Lord, and the power of his might, and put on the whole armor of God. Don't just get the favorite pieces you like. Some people like to talk loud because they feel it makes them look powerful, and some people like to pick on the devil all the time because they like that kind of stuff. But he says, put on the whole armor, man, and, and equip yourself to do battle no matter what the situation, who it is, know that you can handle anything that God gives you to do. That's something you have to be assured of. The anointing assures you of that. It gives you a confidence in God, that God is with you, that God will not fail you, that you're not over your head, that you, there's nothing here that you can't handle in God. And so we are equipped with the sword of the Spirit. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So forget about people. Forget about they don't like you. Forget about they're jealous of you. Forget about they wish they had what you got and who you got. Forget about it. Because that's not your fight. Your fight is against the higher up things that can't be seen. 
the ones that call the shots. I remember talking to God about ministry years ago before we even started this ministry. And I remember praying with uh, my pastor's wife at the local church where we were, which we later got kicked out of, you know. The anointing keeps you in or kicks you out, folks. So I'd rather have the anointing and get kicked out than to not receive it. And You know what I'm saying. But anyway... I remember telling the Lord we were praying. We prayed for every every Sunday we wanted to see souls saved, and then that's very good. But people would get saved. They come, they go. They didn't grow very much, uh, you know. And I kept telling the Lord, I said, "There's got to be something else we can do here." And I thought to myself, I said, "You know what, God? I said I'm tired of chasing these little empty demons around." I said, "Give me somebody in charge that I can." Boom. You understand what I'm saying? And he did. And I didn't say it because it was me wanting to be somebody. But when you're called that way, that call is expressed through your desires to see results. Prophets are called to challenge governments. Not, you know, we care less about, you know, you spoiling your kids. You'll learn. You but I want this big devil up here <laughs> got your kid and everybody else's kids you know what I'm saying rebellious and stupid and all that kind of stuff and so you, you have to understand the realm that you're called to we're not called to bicker and be low level you know crows picking over things on the ground we're called to the heavenly realm Amen. Where the prince of a city resides or the prince of a region resides, where the principality makes its strategies, you're called to confound those and make it very, very difficult for them to get their thoughts together and do what they want to do without being stopped. You're the stop person. You're the person that calls it to a halt with your authority. I don't care. You see, and people say, well, can I really do that? Try. The only way you'll be able to prove it to yourself is try. You'll be able to see cities change. You'll be able, to, but you got to do it in the right way. You you got to do it under God and under His authority. And so when God gives you these things, then you will know your your reproach is removed. He's elevating you to majesty. When somebody gives you a weapon and a powerful weapon, you have been elevated. You ask any thug, you ask any gangbanger, you ask anybody. If somebody gives you a gun, they think something of you. Huh? Because they expect you to use it and it gives you more power, more force, and more authority. And so he says, because we wrestle against principalities and powers, it's a different kind of fight. He says, you need to take on the whole armor so you can withstand. And that doesn't mean stand there and let him poke up you. That means stand there and slap him away. Don't let him talk to you. You know, I was, I was uh, thinking about something, and I, I you know, I was... I would sometimes get um, lightheaded, and I, I would say, oh, it's just sinuses. And I heard myself, and I said, wait a minute. Like, that's okay. You understand? You catch yourself sometimes minimizing on the devil's. I said, wait a minute. Devil, I'm not taking the sinus junk from you in Jesus' name. You go in the name of Jesus. And so these things will, will kind of slip up on you if you don't have yourself fully equipped and fully, fully armorized. Got to be fully armorized. And he says, Take on the whole armor so you'll be able to withstand, having done all to stand. you got to do all, folks. Some people ain't done number one. I mean, one thing <laughs> is, you know, whatever. My summer diamonds. Summer diamonds? Oh, no. <laughs> Anywho, uh, he says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. In other words, truth in your innermost being. Not some memorized scriptures you want to spit at the devil. He knows more of them kind than you do. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Don't be scared to tell God you sorry when you know you mess up. And tell people you sorry when you know you mess up. Unrighteousness gets the body of Christ in more trouble. You go around making excuses for your nonsense. 
and disobedience, and you never come into the place where God wants you to be. Your perfect target for the devil. Have your feet shod. Go about preaching the gospel. Go about telling people about Jesus Christ. That's all that means. Is as you equip yourself, you're equipped and your purpose is to share the good news with all of humanity. And he says, above that, walk in faith. Because faith is a shield. When the devil starts telling you those things that he used to tell you when you felt reproach, which God has taken away from us, and now he's crowned us with glory and honor and majesty. And so he's equipped us with all spiritual equipment in heavenly places. And he's seated us with him in heavenly places to do battle against the enemy and to make all his enemies his footstool. He's done all of that. So we need to go about then with a shield of faith that keeps it away from us. Don't consider everything the devil tells you and don't consider everything that comes to your mind. Don't consider it. We have evidence. If you need healing, there's evidence of your healing. Jesus' stripes is your evidence. You put your total faith in that, and, and pretty soon those symptoms will start to melt away. You won't have all the trouble. Don't consider what you feel like. Just consider God. Consider what he can do. Consider what he wants to do for you. Is Miss Cardell in there? Tell her come here and, and share her testimony. I'm gonna just let Miss Clyde share a little bit. I know she's <laughs> she's come through. You feel like it? Okay. All right. Yeah, you feel like hitting that devil, don't you? Yeah. Praise God. Hey, I'm the happiest person here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I woke up this morning and. The enemy had bowed my back over like this, like this, and when I tried to raise up, she could have no eyes. <laughs> no eyes. I know that's right. Raise up. I remember I was in right so much her. pain. Yeah. I could not pick up a pillow. Yeah. And you know how light a pillow is. Yeah. I couldn't pick it up. And I knew I was coming. There you go. I knew I was coming, Amen. and my baby, he's eight months old, my foster baby, and he weighs a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And when you put him in the carrier, that's even more. Mm -hmm. And I drive a truck, and that's more. So I got to pick the baby up, put him on the seat, from the seat to the holder, for the car seat, and I couldn't even pick up a pillow. So I start thanking Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. And I said, devil, you got to go in Jesus' name. Because I'm going to the meeting. I had called Pastor Bob Friday, had a victory. The Lord had given me a big victory with my daughter, big victory. So I'm shouting, hallelujah, I got to go to the meeting. So here come devil. I said, you're a liar. You're not going to take my victory away. I'm going. I'm going. Because God is bigger than the devil. Amen. So I want to let him know that I knew it. Amen. I know. I know. God's bigger than the devil. Amen. And in this ministry, I learned how to war with the enemy. Amen. When I first came, and Pastor Bob said, well, you don't fight the devil. I thought, uh-oh. That's my mama's stuff. <laughs> Not me, you know. You talk about the devil, I wanted to run. But I learned that he's a coward. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He doesn't own anything. That's right. Anything he has, he's stolen. God has everything. So I stand on God's word. Amen. God said he's a healer. Amen. He's a healer. He said that by his stripes that I'm healed. Amen. And I believe it. Amen. I believe 
believe it. And, uh, you know, I watched Pastor Barb stand in the face of the enemy. And I thought, well, Mama did it. And I thought I couldn't do it. But here Pastor Barb doing it. Yeah. Well, I can do it. Amen. So I start standing in his face. And she told me to tell him. All through the years, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. So that means you got to move, devil, because I'm standing on God's word. Amen. Amen. So I stood on God's word. Amen. It took me about three, three times longer to get here than what normally I would. Amen. But uh, every, every couple of minutes, every couple of hours, took about three hours. Yeah. Pretty soon I was up. Amen. No pain. No pain. Amen. I grabbed the baby and said, we're going. <laughs> I said, we're going for victory and we're going. Amen. I grabbed Amen. the baby and devil tried to tell me, oh, <laughs> you can't put that baby in there. So watch me. Amen. Hide and watch. Watch me pick that baby up, put him there. Amen. No pain. Yeah. No pain. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm going. You got to be determined. You gotta be fully persuaded, Amen. fully, Amen. fully in Amen. your own heart, not somebody else's heart, in your own heart that God can do what He said He can do. God is greater than any man, any devil. He said He is. He spoke and He meant what He said. Amen. I believe it. Amen. I believe it. Made a believer out of me. Amen. Amen. Down through the years. Amen. You know, you start out small. Yeah. And you start building. Yes. Amen. And you'll back back. Yes. You know, I'm not moving. Yes. Right. I'm on the road. I'm not moving. Stay there. Amen. Stay there and see when he moves. Amen. See when he moves. He'll move every time. Then I got in the truck, and the old truck wanted to run hard. I said, you're a liar. <laughs> you're a liar. And I have to come through the tunnel. And you know how traffic is. I said, Lord, you heal this. You take care of this because I'm going. And that's right. That's it. I'm going. Amen. I mean, what else you got to do? Amen. Yes, sir, God. And do what he tells you to do. He told me to come. I had the victory yesterday, and now I'm going to be depressed. The devil is a liar. Amen. I'm going to be depressed. No way. So I'm going. So I got him. Lord made the way. You know, I turned it off. Let it sit there and cool. Turned it back on. Came on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw. It's a brother Howard here. Give my keys. Let him check my car out before I go back. You know. But I'm here in Jesus' name. Amen. Because God sent me. Amen. Because I learned through the ministry. Yes. I learn how to war in the spirit. Amen. The Amen. battle is the Lord. Amen. It's not your fight. It's the battle is the Lord. Amen. But you got a part in it. Yes. So you got to do your part. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Miss Price. Appreciate it. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So God is faithful. Amen. Amen. You might have to fight to get to a meeting. You understand me, folks? You might have to fight to get there. But if you keep winting, <laughs> it's what we, they, they were healed as they went. If you stop, you don't get it. But if you keep going, you will get it. Amen. Just defy the enemy. Praise God. Amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. And we're going to have our lunch in just a little bit.